Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. get started all right so we are doing bachelor beast by grace goodwin today okay so i read the ebook version of this when you go into the ebook version right after the cover there's an option to get a free book download which was awesome which is always nice right we like free yes absolutely and then there is a very fun thing (laughs) where you can click the link for the interstellar brides program and you can Mm -hmm. take a quiz and see which alien mates you match to yeah i figured i i saw that and i clicked on it and then i thought what am i doing i can't breed anymore i'm too old so i'm not gonna match to anybody so i got out of it that's hilarious i was like this is fun and so i did it Oh, oh my. I don't care how old I am. I want to know who my alien match is. Mm, Well, maybe I'll go back and try it. (laughs) And I actually matched at the end to three coalition (gasps) fighters. You tramp. (laughs) Apparently I'm getting my own reverse harem. Yeah, oh my God. That was a nice little surprise. And I I shouldn't say I'm surprised that I matched for three people. You you shouldn't say you're surprised. Hmm, little confident there. Okay. <laughs> I just remembered that I wanted you to open that thing I gave you. Oh, right. Yeah. So um, Rachel showed up at my doorstep today with a little bag, a gift bag, and said, promise me you're not going to open this until we start this podcast. So uh, with great uh, concern, I am opening this. So hold Drum on. roll, please. Drum roll, please. A shirt. The Great Seeing Eye. Alexis Price Ghost Whispering Service. (laughs) That's adorable. I'm having trouble hearing. Can you say that again? (laughs) Oh, Alexa, go back to sleep. (laughs) That's funny. The Alexa kicked on. Of course it did. Alexis Price Ghost Whispering Service and Magical Showcase Pier 33. I love it. Is this where I'm setting up my booth? That's a little thank you gift. Oh. And it's the author that we featured in our inaugural episode, KF Breen. Um, That (gasps) is the main character from the Demigods of San Francisco series. Oh my God. That's how did you get that isn't that cool that is so cool i loved her she was one of my favorite people in the book oh my god yes thank you i'll be wearing that with pride i got mine is a little different so Mm -hmm. mine is like a picture of from like a bar like a bar logo of course it is yeah so it has a beer and it has some little of the tritons and so it says dual society zone derelicts and outlaws welcome irish pub san francisco california oh i love that 
So yeah, so I found those from a really cool um, small shop that I like called Novel Grounds, novelgrounds.com. And they also have Instagram at Novel Grounds. Thank you, honey. That was very sweet. You're welcome. That was a, you know... The least I could do for you after I forced you to do this podcast with me. Yes, called elder abuse, but okay. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually surprised that didn't come out in the first episode we did. Well, yeah, I think I was too overwhelmed. Yes, the last episode to realize what was happening. It's one of those codependent relationships where it's very dysfunctional and you don't realize too much later when the smoke has cleared. You're like, oh, my God, did that really happen? Okay. <laughs> We're going to go with that? Sure, whatever you say. Okay. I have no way to defend myself at this point. All right. I would say you're a little too coherent and it's disturbing me, but then that's just, <laughs> I don't know, proving your point or it's defending myself. I'm not doing well right now. All right. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> So we're getting into this great book called Bachelor Beast. This is the first book in a series. In the Interstellar Bride Program, The Beast. So the Interstellar Brides Program is where the soldiers from the planet Atlan, they're trying to find their mate. The thing I liked about this book is the book was a parody on the dating shows on reality TV. They're trying to send the soldiers that had participated in a war to Earth to find their their mate. And they have excellent amount of time to go on the program, date these contestants. So the first contestant they send is Warlord Wolf. And he has survived the war and being tortured. And he's quote unquote contaminated by the hive, which they explained later in the book. And he's sent to Earth as a representative of the colony to find a human mate for himself and hopefully for the other males on his planet. And he doesn't want to do it, but he's because he's one that of the few people there on his planet, I guess I can speak English, they have decided on him. In addition to the fact that he is apparently drop dead gorgeous, he's about seven feet tall, he have muscles that go on for miles, they feel like he's a good representative. So his government is hoping that his looks alone are going to ensure the success of this program and convince other females from Earth to come back to their planet and be brides for these veterans. It's basically a veterans program. And once the mate is selected, the couple is supposed to be transported to the colony where they're supposed to live happily ever after. Inside all of these soldiers or men that are from Atlan, there's a beast and he's going to be able to recognize his mate immediately. Uh, If they're unable to find their mate, however, they are sent back to an Atlan prison where they're going to be executed before the mating fever drives them insane and they're a danger to society. Correct. Yeah, we get a lot of information about warlord wolf in the very beginning of the story so this book is dual pov first person and so we get some chapters from his perspective some chapters from the female's perspective he's basically the ambassador for the colony he's a veteran yes he's infected with the hive so he is the hive it's a little confusing maybe because i have not read any books in this interstellar bride program before basically for him this is a last ditch effort for him to find a mate because he does suffer from the mating fever 
So I thought it was really interesting. I kept asking myself, don't they have any women on their planet? Apparently, these these veterans have been put in a separate area because when they were in this war against the hive and they were taken prisoner, they, the hive was able to manipulate them on a cellular level. No one seems to know why they did that, but they could be a ticking time bomb and, and they are now labeled infected. But they don't want these infected veterans back on their home planet because at any time, who knows, the hive can... I guess, flip a switch and the soldiers now become the hive soldiers and they're under the hive's control. And I had to ask myself, well, the women on his planet must be much smarter. And how desperate are the earth women that they're willing to roll the dice that these people aren't going to become become under the influence of the hive and be dangerous. Everything's fair in love and war, I suppose. <laughs> and it's, it's all a gamble. It is all a gamble. And when he gets here he absolutely hates earth he thinks it's dirty our technology is primitive super polluted and basically people on earth suck and they're mean to each other and i i think at one point he's referring to homeless people and he says filthy unwashed humans left sickened and died on the side of the street sleeping in paper boxes while others live in palaces of stone and crystal. So there is a lot of commentary, I guess, in this book about the state of our society today. He's not wrong, but yes. He's not wrong. (laughs) I'm not saying he is. I'm only here because I have to be here, not because I want to be here. That's very much his attitude. The book opens with the very last episode, the season finale, if you will, of the Bachelor Beast TV show. And he has to decide between... The last two contestants. He started with 24, I believe, right? Yeah. And he went through the shows aired for three weeks. Span of three weeks, he's eliminated 22 women after going on these horrible dates with them. And he says he's just biding his time doing it to the finale because he wants to be a good representative for the colony. And he really wants to help the men and the other veterans from the colony find a mate of their own, even though this TV show is not really working out for him. Right. He at one point has resigned himself to the fact that he's going to have to go back to his planet and be executed because he can't find his mate. And the beast doesn't want anything to do with these women. We forgot to mention that all of these women are drop dead gorgeous. They are beyond, beyond believable. They should be the perfect match for him. All of the women on the show have taken that interstellar bride program test there's Mm -hmm. a test you have to do to be accepted into that program Mm -hmm. so i think all of those women took the test and they passed so they should be a good mate for some alien Mm -hmm. oh okay maybe not wolf himself directly Mm, i see of course they all you know pass this test but they're also drop all of them are drop dead gorgeous and we have to hear about that ad nauseum from the female main character when she's finally introduced yes thank you and he had previously uh selected a woman and they both went back to his planet for a three-week trial to see if they were going to be a good match and before the trial was over she told him she was still in love with her man back on earth who is human and she left Wolf to go 
back home and marry him. So this is him starting over again. So on paper, they should have been compatible. Mm -hmm. You know, as tends to happen, she will resurface later in the book. Right. So all of these soldiers, they all have their family cuffs is what they're calling them. And each of these cuffs, there's two for him and two for the mate. And when the beast actually does find his mate, he is supposed to, you know, get down on one knee and propose at the finale and ask one of the women to wear his cuff. Once she agrees to do this and he puts the cuffs on her and puts on his own cuffs, they are mated for life. And it signifies that to the world. Once they do this, there's nothing more than these Atlan men want than to love, protect, and tend to the every need of their mates for the rest of their life. Uh, and I, that's what I love about these, this common thread in paranormal romance stories. You know, and it's funny because I cannot read a romance novel, a regular romance novel, to save my soul. I hate them. I think they're ridiculous. But a paranormal romance <laughs> story, I'm all over it because I can lose myself in the fantasy. And I think real romance stories, I've dated enough to know they're all full of shit. So I, I understand <laughs> by reading these paranormal romance stories that this is why women love them. And who wouldn't want their every need met and, and to be worshipped by this Adonis of a man. And not to mention the mind-blowing sex, you know, that they get where all the man cares about is making her climax and like she's never climaxed before. I absolutely agree. I think reading about an alien that's infected with the hive from a colony planet full of veterans who's going to give me more orgasms than I could count mm -hmm. is more believable yes. than reading a traditional contemporary romance. Now, don't get me wrong. I do read those every once in a while. Yeah. But there's something in my brain where I'm able to suspend belief a little bit more for these types of books, this alien romance, than I am in a book that's set with, you know, traditional characters, human characters mm -hmm. here on earth with everyday normal problems. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah. I don't like it. And uh, the only kind of paranormal book, romance book, I cannot read is a reverse harem. And I have read a few of them. I cannot, like you said, I can wrap my brain about vampires or werewolf shifters or a mating bite or these men devoting themselves unconditionally to me. But when you're telling me that there are multiple men and one woman and every one of these men just lives for nothing more than to make her happy and isn't jealous and is fine sharing her, I just can't. So Olivia is a makeup artist on the show. She does makeup for the female contestants and she usually does the makeup before the show starts airing. So she's conveniently never had a chance to be within the eyesight of Wolf until the finale when she has asked one of her coworkers and also her BFF to babysit for her so that she can do this shift and then she has something else to do and she I don't know. She wanted to watch this episode because it was the end and she had never seen him, I think is what yeah. happened. She wants to see him in real life and She's seen him on TV and thinks he's absolutely gorgeous. And Lucy is her BFF that 
is babysitting for her and has changed shifts with her so she can see what he looks like in person. Okay, that's right. Because I think what is supposed to happen is as soon as he slaps these cuffs on his pick, they will beam me up Scotty out of the production studio probably and then she will never get to see him again or something. So she's worried she won't actually get to see him except for this episode. So anyways, we learn that she is a quote-unquote big girl, mm-hmm. self-professed, and she professes it a lot. A lot. It got very annoying after it did. a while. It super annoying. She is caring for two kids, two very small kids that were her brothers. Her brother passed away. We find out that the kids' names are Tanner and Emma. I think they were like four and two. I don't remember the yeah, exact say ages. Four and two is correct. Okay, and then along with inheriting the kids, she inherited this problem from her brother mm-hmm. in the name of Jimmy. Jimmy Steele. Yeah, so Jimmy is somebody who she owes money to to help pay off her brother's debt that he accumulated while he was alive, and he's a drug dealer. Right, her brother was a veteran that apparently came back, I think, from Afghanistan with a drug habit and gets involved with Jimmy Steele, uh, and he owes him a lot of money. And when her brother dies, Jimmy basically wants her to take over his debt and become his um, drug mule. So she has to run an errand when the show ends to do something for Jimmy. But so much happens before then. Yeah, then we switch back to his point of view, I think. No, I think it's her. We're still in her. She's where she's standing off the stage in the shadows and she's literally drooling over Wolf because he is gorgeous and he's beyond perfect in her eyes. And again, she has this inner dialogue where he's so perfect. He should be with one of these beautiful contestants and he would never be interested in someone like me. And while she's watching him from the sidelines, she realizes that sure he's gorgeous, but he looks miserable. And she never thought that he might not be into this arrangement. She really starts to observe him from the shadows. Yeah. She can kind of clue in on his grumpy behavior that, Oh, maybe he's not going to, Maybe he doesn't want to be here. Maybe he's not happy. And then I think the host makes a very last minute, oh, shocking surprise announcement that if Wolf does not pick a mate in this finale episode, he will have to go back to the colony and be sentenced to death. Right. Right. And she's obviously very distraught by that because he's just so good looking. And there's this pull to him. Who knows? Even though he's basically too good for her is all she thinks this entire right. Yeah, so after watching him from the sidelines for a while, she is accidentally pushed on to the into the light on the stage where his head immediately snaps in her direction. And once he sees her, he immediately shifts into his beast and tells everybody on stage that she is mine. He tries to... Um, get to her and while he's trying to get to her he's knocking over people and equipment and when he reaches her side am i going too fast for you rachel no go ahead okay when he reaches her side he swoops her up like she's nothing 
and carries her into the dressing room and slams the door and locks it and keeps repeating my mate. And Olivia's mind is blown. She thinks all of this is a joke and she's being punked because once again, someone like him could never be interested in someone like her. Who me? I yeah. can't believe it. Yes. I am so unattractive and heavy. No mm-hmm. one would want me. It's like, it's get annoying. Over it, girl. Yeah, it is annoying. I agree. Her body image issues are a repeating theme in this book that I'll try not to bring them up too often, but just know that it is one character flaw about her that I really did not like. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't know if that was an effort to try to make her more relatable to women in real life. I fucking hope not mm-hmm. because no matter what size you are, you should fucking love yourself. Yeah, own it. Go with it and be sexually proud of who you are and put yourself out there. But I think I can only assume that this was the author's effort to make her relatable or make her dumpy in comparison to these Amazonian goddesses that are the contestants on the TV show. Yeah, there, you know, while that was going on and I did find it really annoying and I thought, oh boy, this is not going to be great. There was so much to Olivia that I could relate to. I was like, oh my God, Olivia is me. I, I, I did like her a lot. I was very conflicted about how I felt about her. But this is where things start to get hot, to say, to say yes, the very they least. Do. We are in barely chapter three and- We'll talk we are, faster. We are going, no, I'm just saying we are barely in chapter three of the book and we are going there. He has already seen her the instant he sees her. He says, mine, locks the door behind them. So it's just the two of them. I don't know. I was a little disappointed in the fact that this is an alien romance and his alien form mm-hmm. when he like beasts out, he hulks out. Yeah. He doesn't really change. He's like, he's an alien that looks like a human because he's never described in anything other than being tall and muscular. So he must look like a human. Well, dear God, I was not disappointed at all. <laughs> okay. I, I, freaking, <laughs> I loved this scene. I could have cared less that he didn't have a tail or horns or whatever. This was one of my favorite parts of the book. Oh, I like this scene too. And I liked this character. I'm just saying in general, there were so many things you could do in terms of having an alien Mm -hmm. from another planet. Mm -hmm. But this would made me think this would be a good book for somebody who wants to read an alien romance, but they're not into the horn and the tail and all the kinky shit that you and I are already on. They don't know what they're missing. (laughs) Fine. More for us. I don't care. Yeah. So this is a good starter novel for anybody who dip their toes into the alien world. And he at one, one point or several times, I'm sure he does the rumbling in his chest, Mm -hmm. which yes, I put a note in my Kindle says I'm <laughs> trash for this. Yes. I'm always trash for that. He gets very caveman ish when he's in the beast form. And he does a lot of the smelling and the sniffing, yes. which I didn't mind. I didn't mind either. When this whole scene starts, it's only after he asks permission to taste her that she realizes that, oh my God, this is actually happening. She thinks to herself, well, I'm certainly not going to let this opportunity fly by without acting upon it. And really, girl, how many times have I said and done 
exact same thing in my own life. <laughs> it's like run through my brain. I'm like, well, I may never get laid again. Should I just go for it? Hell yeah, why not? So I think at one point she thinks it's been two years since she's had yeah. sex. The next opportunity going to arise for you to jump on this alien D. So that made him not so scary and may and was coming from a place of respect, I guess, uh, which I like. He ends up going down on her. And of course she experiences the most mind-blowing orgasms that she's ever had before once he's done tasting her he asks her permission to claim her i don't know why this is but she the author wrote that the when people are in beast form they can only mate standing up so the kinkiest thing that the atlins do when they're mating is have sex standing up against then they hold their mate against a wall is that kinky i just thought that was another alternative position that someone can use I don't find it kinky at all. I don't either. This was quote unquote the kinkiest. Oh, all right. And the most unique thing, because at one point later in the book, somebody's like, you know that they only mate standing up, right? Like, yeah, that's humans can have sex that way too, but okay. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be unique to them, I guess. Sorry, I'm fanning myself. Go ahead. (laughs) Memory Memory flashback. Memory flashback. If if you need a moment, that's fine. Oh my God. Okay, I'm better. Go ahead. (laughs) Jesus, that was awesome. Are you okay to continue or should I continue? (laughs) I'm sorry. Let me pour this water all over myself. I'll go ahead. (laughs) We haven't even described the sex scene yet. Holy crap. Go ahead. So he takes her from the chair that he had her on and he holds her up against the door to the dressing room that he's locked them in Mm -hmm. and he goes to town on her and i think she makes a comment not mating just sex yeah she thinks he just he just needs to blow off some steam and because of course he would never want her and she's more than willing to help him do that of course, they are having such hot and loud, vigorous sex against the changing room door that on the other side of the door, the production people and the security guards, they're worried for her safety. They finish up their very hot um, interlude and he opens the door or somebody opens the door. And as soon as the door opens, all the security and production runs in to kind of corner him. And she slips out the door, slinks away and runs off and leaves go back to the kids distance herself and hope and pray that tomorrow morning she still has a job right so when wolf's beast realizes that she he can't find her or get to her he starts losing his mind because until he finished completes the claiming he's still he's still subject to the mating fever and can go berserk so he the only time his mind is calm is when he's around her and he's not going to be okay until he puts the cuffs on her so he freaks out so badly that he has to be sedated and he ends up coming to in in the uh interstellar bride's center's holding cell so now we split off we get something from her perspective and we get something from his perspective that are happening at the same timeline she just got home yes so she runs home she has a conversation with lucy which is her bff and her co-worker of course her friend lucy was watching the tv show yeah so this is when lucy's the one that makes the comment about beast mating standing up olivia is having a lot of 
internal conflict. I can't handle this situation with Wolf because I have to now switch my brain and focus on the Jimmy situation and deal with one thread at a time, handle the Wolf thing later, if ever, because for her, it's kind of resolved, right? She's done with it. Yes, but Lucy's the one that tells her, you know, he's going to come looking. Exactly. She also talks to Lucy about how she, Olivia herself, tried to take the interstellar bride program test because she wanted to volunteer for it. But because she has two little kids that she is caring for, they rejected her for the program because it says they aren't old enough to decide for themselves. So they have to stay unless I already have a mate. So because she didn't have a mate before she got the kids, Mm -hmm. she was disqualified from the program. Right. So she's like, it's never going to happen. So she goes off and gets ready for her last run that she has to take care of Greg's debt and kind of be done with the whole situation. Tonight is not only the final episode of the TV show, but it is also supposed to be Olivia's final drug run. And in the meantime, back at the the holding cell, the warden uh, that works for the coalition her, her name is Warden Egger, and she works for the Coalition Fleet for the Bride Program. And Wolf wakes up and sees her obviously pissed off at him. And he imme- he's still in beast form. He immediately starts looking for his mate, and she tells him to cool, you know, you need to calm down. You really blew it on the TV show. You did a lot of damage. But she also says to him, I'm willing to help you, but you need to take a shower and court Olivia and convince her in two days, because that's all he has left on the planet, right? To become his mate. And she also tells him that if he does convince Olivia to be his mate, he's going to have to go to New York and propose to her in front of TV, on TV again, on bended knee in front of the whole world. He doesn't want to do that, but the, the, the TV show being the slime balls that they are have taken his cuffs that they had on the stage from a glass case and they have already flown them to New York. So the only way he can get the cuffs and put them on her is if he takes her to New York. She can't be transported with him as his mate off planet unless she is wearing the cuffs. So when he finally gets dropped off by the warden, I, I loved this part of the book. Tanner, the boy, had heard Olivia and Lucy talking about wolf. So he he thinks it's a real wolf, that they're going to be getting a real wolf. And he's very excited. When I heard there were children in this book, honestly, I was like, oh, dear God, this is going to be... I hate when kids are in a book. Same. The kids were cute. Wolf's interaction with the children was very cute. Oh, I loved it. And yeah, it really made me appreciate him more. And right. I just fell more and more in love with him but in general i don't like when kids are in books and these kids only annoyed me a little bit when they spoke which is not too bad so uh he ends up wanting to go inside lucy tells him of yes she he can come inside and they have a conversation he he's looking for olivia lucy doesn't know the whole story with olivia and the drug dealer but she knows that she is mixed up with some bad people Tanner's the one that ends up saying he's a bad person. He he killed my parents. Wolf is really freaked out that Olivia has gone to meet this person. He is concerned about her safety. 
but he ends up staying with the kids. Uh, I really liked the interaction of uh, Wolf with the kids. And I was surprised, to be honest with you. Once somebody becomes mated to one of these men, she, in their minds, the mate is his. And any children or relatives or family of their mate is also considered his. So he's immediately okay with these kids. I loved it. He's very much, this is my mate. And no matter what, her family is my family. Yeah. Instantly protective of the kids. And I really did like that. The steamy, the steamiest part, one of the best scenes for me was when Olivia finally comes home. She sees Wolf sleeping on the sofa with the Tanner sleeping on his chest and the Amazon wrapped up in his arm. And she's like, what's he doing here? And Lucy's all, well, he's your mate. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Hello, wake up. You're the only one that doesn't get it. Told you he'd be back. And here he is. Here he is. And so Lee, Lucy ends up leaving. And I love this part because for me, the steaminess started when Olivia turned around. His eyes are open and he's staring at her. And she's just staring back at him. Oh, my God. And then he's just giving her those smoldering eyes. Yeah. So this part of the book, honestly, to me, was the best part of the book. Because it was just so heartfelt. He helps her take the children into their room and put them to bed. He's just standing there watching her. He is so overcome with feelings of love for this family and feeling things he's never felt before that he actually starts to cry. And I, I thought that that was, you know, showing his vulnerability like that, I thought was really sweet. So they end up walking back out to the living room and he looks at her and he says, this was the other thing that broke my heart. He looks at her and he goes, you left me. Oh, sad. I know. Oh, poor wolf. Poor wolf. And he doesn't understand why she would leave him. And she ends up just being really honest with him and explaining to him that I didn't think you were serious and I didn't believe this was really happening. They have a really sweet conversation when they're sitting on the sofa. And there's a part in this book that I wanted to read if it's okay you're okay with that yeah Yeah, go ahead i highlighted some stuff from this chapter also oh my god this to me was like the hottest part of the book and he says to her you are so beautiful mate too beautiful to be real and she starts to protest again um and he slides his finger over her lips trying to silence her in his mind he's thinking i already heard all she had to say about her perceived imperfection she compares herself to other females, which is ridiculous. He tells her, you are perfect, beautiful, soft. I will not hear otherwise or I will place you over my knee and spank you for treating yourself so poorly. And I was like, oh my God, that is hot, hot, hot. And I loved Olivia's reaction because she just looks at him laughing and raises an eyebrow and says, is that so? I absolutely love an alpha male that thinks he has the right and is perfectly justified in spanking his mate. Um, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I love a bossy male uh, shifter. It just makes me kind of squirmy. Don't ever do it to me. But it's like, (laughs) I just love the fact that they think that this is now as their mate, their right to do that. Wolf is a great combo between hot 
controlling alpha, but also super, super sweet cinnamon roll. Yeah. Because right after she says to him, is that so? He says, yes. But then he says, by the gods, Olivia, you are my everything. Mm-hmm. And it's so sweet. It's very sweet. They put the kids to bed and then I think they go to her bedroom Oh, I thought they went to the living room. Thank God they're in the bedroom. Okay. We don't want any interruptions, for God's sake. And then it kind of ramps up a little bit. They start kissing. And then he takes, like, picks her up by the waist, flips her around Mm -hmm. so that way her her back is to his chest. Mm -hmm. And then he, of course, starts touching her everywhere. He hooks her legs on the outside of his legs. And he starts finger banging her, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was hot. Hot. Then he ends up just like picking her up, going to Pound Town with her on his lap. All my note says is back to front sex, hot, (laughs) exclamation point. (laughs) I don't think there's anything else that needs to be said, really. I think that just covers it all. They both wake up. The kids, of course, as kids do, they're trying to get in the room. This is why I think they were in the bedroom, because the kids are trying to get in the bedroom, but the door was still locked from their sexy times. Yes. She's laying in bed. She's not a morning person. This is another reason I fell in love with this guy, because he's like, "Uh, just stay in bed, honey. I'll take care of the kids. I'll start getting them breakfast. And she's laying in bed listening to the conversation that's transpiring between Wolf and the kid, thinking about how sweet he is. And uh, a couple hours after they wake up, they have breakfast, what have you. She talks to him, learns more about the colony, how it's full of veterans from all the planets within this bigger thing called the coalition. And there's even veterans on the colony from Earth that were captured yeah. and tortured by the hive. So the colony is like a... An infected... A, yeah, it's like an isolation planet, I think, yeah. where they keep all of the veterans right. that are ticking time bombs and might lose their minds. She then explains to him why she can't be his mate. And she says, the rules say a woman can't be matched if she has children. She can't leave them behind. So he counters to her, you are not being matched. You are my mate. My beast has identified you as such. Therefore, you will wear my cuffs. That makes you an Atlan mate. And you, along with any offspring you have, go where I go. I go to the colony. Once you are mine, the rules for interstellar brides no longer apply to you. You are the mate of an Atlan warlord. He's very like, why do you keep talking about the bride program? You weren't even in the bride program. That doesn't matter here. But that part kind of confused me because they made such a point of saying the American government does not allow children under the age of 18 to be taken off the planet, that they have to wait till they're an adult. Then they turn around and say, oh, but no, you, you're you my mate and now you are a citizen of Atlan and so are your children. I think that Earth law says that a woman cannot voluntarily join this program to try to find an alien mate but coalition law Mm -hmm. which is like a universal law what he's referencing supersedes the earth law okay so she's only familiar with the earth law and that's what she's using to say i can't go with you to the other planet but he's talking about it's kind of like state versus federal i guess oh yeah okay this is also where she discloses to him that she owes all the money correct yeah so they're basically spilling all of their secrets to one another and trying to get everything out in the open before 
they potentially take this trip to New York. Kind of a where do we go from here conversation. He <laughs> says, who dares threaten my children? Yeah. The one word was like a whip, sharp and ruthless. Olivia Mercer, I must know who will hurt Tanner and Emma so I can rip their heads from their bodies. <laughs> I, loved, I loved it. I loved it too. I loved it because he's like, there is no way in hell anybody is going to lay a hand on you or those children or anybody that's mine. And you are all mine. Exactly. Just tell me who this person yes. is. I'll take care of the problem. Yes. And we'll go from there. Like, this is a non-issue. I'll just murder them. She starts crying and he says, it's okay to cry. He says, poison must be bled from the body. Human females I've met on the colony like to do as you did cry for a long time he tells her so he's even okay with you know comforting her and he understands that this is just something that women do to get because you know haven't we all felt better after we've had a good cry crying does release endorphins yeah i highly recommend it but it was (laughs) rather have an orgasm but okay i'll keep that in the back of my mind go ahead (laughs) i'm just saying when one is not an option maybe try the other So she readily agrees, like, okay, if I get to go with you to the planet and there's not a problem with the children coming, let's go to New York and get your cuffs. So we pick up in New York Mm -hmm. City from Wolf's point of view now. They are having her on the stage with Wolf and then they bring out the two uh, finalists, uh, Genevieve and Willow, I think. Yeah. I really like this part. Go ahead. I really like this part too. So they bring both of the women out and they're trying to get that hair pulling Gary Springer moment of like, right. How, how do you ladies feel that she stole your man and cat both of the, yeah, they want that cat fight and both women are very gracious and Mm -hmm. supportive, supportive. And they both, they knew, Olivia because she did used to do their makeup so they already knew her right so they're ha- they're actually happy for her yeah like I hope that one of these days I could have what she has they're not jealous they just want the same thing for themselves and not in the way that some people want what you have so they take it from you right they're just very supportive they're like good for her good for him I'm still going to try to be in the bride program. I'm hoping I can still go. Yeah, it's, I loved it because so often women are portrayed as being catty and petty and not being there supportive and lifting up other women. But these women totally understood. They didn't judge her. They just realized that, you know, obviously you're his mate. That was nice. But then things quickly go downhill because they bring up some of the dirty laundry. So Olivia was really worried that her Jimmy situation and the children would be brought up on the TV show in New York. But that's not brought up. What is brought up is Wolf and his prior Ruth. Oh. And she basically is described as 
what I would think is Sofia Vergara. Tall, busty, cur- curvy, but curvy. in the right way. Yes. The quote-unquote desirable way. Of course, Olivia's like, oh my god, instantly starts having her body image issues again. Right. Did they already ask Olivia and the other two contestants to leave the stage? I think so. At yeah. some point, they boot the other two ladies. They're still kind of behind the scenes, but I don't think they're on stage still. They bring Ruth. She is supposed to be Wolf's mate. How she was his mate before. How she regrets leaving the 30-day trial period. It's like uh, rent an alien, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I regret returning him early. I want him back. She's like a little kid with a toy. She wants her toy back. Right. Then the host ends up saying something terrible. He says, who said flings were only for humans? And then, of course, Olivia is saying, he called me a fling on national. No, on international television. She's like, girl, this isn't just international. I think this is universe. Interstellar. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, interstellar, interstellar. Exactly. Right. Ruth is in her mind, validating all of her self-esteem issues that she carries with her always. Yes. All of her prior insecurities and questions pop back into the surface immediately. And then she's really doubting herself. She's doubting Wolf, but then she's also doubting Wolf because of his reaction to Ruth being there. Oh, Rachel, you know what we forgot to mention, which was really important, is that when they go to New York, they take Lucy with Lucy is at the hotel room babysitting the children while they are on television. That's right. Yeah, that's pretty important that she's babysitting for Olivia yet again in the hotel room with the kids Mm -hmm. while Olivia's world is imploding on this (laughs) television stage. Yeah. He's holding her because Ruth is so, she's probably Ruth because she's effing ruthless. Yeah. She hikes up her skirt and like climbs into his lap and is all over him. And he's not instantly pushing her away and being like, get the F off of me. You're not my mate. Yes. It even gets to the point where she starts kissing him. And that's when Olivia bolts from the now the next chapter picks up and we're in wolf's perspective and all he's thinking is control the beast control the yeah. beast. he's about to lose it right again right he's playing along with it because he is afraid they're going to do something with the cups again and all he thinks about is he actually says while ruth is uh on his lap he says to the ho- the show's host get my cuffs he thinks i would have them in my hands where no one dared take them from me because he knows how significant the cuffs are and once he cuffs olivia they're basically married. handcuffs yeah they're married and they're married yeah. so once he's cuffed and she is cuffed nobody can ever separate them and he doesn't have to deal with all this tv bs And he's trying really hard not to lose it because he doesn't want to ruin things for the other veterans. And so he's always has that in the back of his brain. Like he wants to flip out. He wants to toss this bitch across the studio. Yes. Goes up to their room, opens the hotel door, and it's eerily quiet in there. Poor Lucy has been duct taped and knocked out and the children have been stolen. I ended up doing a lot of eye rolling and huffing and almost throwing my Kindle across the room in this chapter. Yep. It really lost me here. Yeah. Because Olivia kind of graded on me to begin with. And then we got to this chapter and it was just so ridiculous that I couldn't handle it. She, when she unties Lucy, 
she actually says to her, you didn't see the show? Because Lucy has no idea why Olivia's back. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, that's so stupid. She, and I highlighted and I, why does she ask such stupid questions? And she's like, oh, you didn't see? It's like, no, she was busy getting, yeah, you know, hogtied. Yeah. <laughs> And then Lucy tries to tell her to call the cops. And then Olivia is still like, I can't call the cops. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. I almost shut my book down yes, right then and there. Yes, me too. I'm like, I can't go to the authorities. I'm just going to handle it myself. It's like, no, you can't handle it yourself. Right. This is another thing that I didn't really like. Why would Jimmy think to do this? Because she was supposed to be at this TV show. Why would Jimmy from New York, from, excuse me, from Miami, because they're from Florida, Right. right? Why would Jimmy from Florida be in New York at the exact same time, have this dress picked out for her, have this entire plan done He to get her to this gala? So they're supposed to go to the New York gala event for the IIMAA, the International Interplanetary and Multicultural Arts Alliance. Okay. Then she looks at the invitation. She goes, Oh God, it started 15 minutes ago. So then she throws her dress on. She does her makeup. Then she talks about how she cried after she put her makeup on. I'm like, why are you crying after you have your makeup on? She does a lot of crying here and freaking out, which yeah. is, I was just done with her at this point. Me too. So she, Oh God, she gets to the gala. She finds Jimmy Steele. She gets introduced to the other people. It's a fancy formal dinner situation. So they have the the table with the reserved seating, right? Yes. She goes to the table with him. She gets introduced to the other people at the table. Lo and behold, who would have thunk it? <laughs> One of the people at the table is his mom mm -hmm. and his dad. Yes. And then she's like, oh, my God, Jimmy Steele is the son of the senator from Florida. Yeah. Wow. And so I highlighted this because then it says, the mom says, I'm glad you accepted our invitation, Olivia. And I'm thinking, how is this story getting wilder? Because yes. now we're at 83% in the book. Right. How is this just now coming out? So stupid. Ridiculous. Yeah. So dumb. Yep. So Jimmy Steele was actually James Genoway, son of a senator. The senator, the mother, was working with somebody to get them onto the colony to be kind of the, like, hidden mole on yes. the colony to help transport goods or something between the colony and Earth. That all kind of blew up when Olivia became the mate of Wolf. So it, it almost made it seem like, or maybe I was just reading it wrong, that one of the the plant or the mule that she was trying to have on the colony was one of the two women that were the finalists. Did you get that impression or was I just reading too much into it? I just, from I, that didn't even enter my mind until just now when you're saying this, I bet it's Ruth. Oh, okay. Yeah. But when you and I are making this book more interesting at this point than it was. So <laughs> with our own yeah. plot adding tips here. Oh, and then what? When she walks into this whole thing is just wild. When she walks into the gala, not only does she see Jimmy Steele and the, all these fancy schmancy people, but she can look off to the side and see this glass room that has 
the all the kids yeah she could see all the kids playing yes they took Ugh. they kidnapped the children and put them in a daycare <laughs> so jimmy situates her at the table so that she can see the kids while they're having their fancy dinner so that he can threaten her verbally with you know whatever threats he's coming up with but then also like the kids are right there think of the children that's right wolf appears in the room he's furious he is he walks directly over to the table he is surrounded by a bunch of uh soldiers that have come to help her and to rescue the children it comes out he was a commander and he starts giving these other soldiers orders like go go get the children and don't scare them and he goes walking up to Jimmy and I, I love that there's no screaming in the book and the mother isn't freaking out. And while he gets a hold of Jimmy, he does grab his head and twist and rip it off his body. Oh my God. It was so disgusting. It was so disgusting. He, he, he enters the gala and he has an entire battalion of Atlan war warlords with him and all I could think was, where the fuck did these guys come from? Like, right. they just happened to be on yes. Earth. So that, that was kind of weird. Yes. So, and he goes, get my children out of here. <laughs> and I just swooned. I loved him. <laughs> because some shit's going to go down and I don't want them to be scarred for life. So get my children and get them out of here. Yeah, basically. He's like, protect my kids. The, I don't want them to see daddy rip this motherfucker's yes, face that's off. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly and it was so gross yeah him killing jimmy was quick but it was like descriptive in such a way that was good and it was made me want to throw up right yeah so they're kind of standing there in the puddle of blood as all of the people freak out around them i think this all happens on the same page then she just like looks at him and she's like okay yeah i'll take the mating cuffs yes now. Like, what a great place oh, to get engaged or whatever you call that. Just, just kneel down in Jimmy's puddle of blood there. Kick, kick that head off to the side. Yeah, just just kneel on his head and because <laughs> they are still where they are where the whole thing happened. They're right. just covered in blood. She's got to. There's got to be blood everywhere. There's no police. There's no no political problem because no, nope. you know he committed this interstellar crime. He murdered somebody in cold blood. I don't know. Okay. No, it was very convenient how they were yes. able to do all this without any blowback. Right. So then um, he, he slaps the cuffs on himself, I think. And then he slaps the cuffs on her. And he says, you are mine now and forever. Then he talks. They're still in all the blood. He talks to another <laughs> Atlan warrior he has with him because they're just plentiful. Yes. He talks about taking lucy he says lucy is wounded and recovering at the hotel yes go please get make her. sure she is safely transported to the colony and will arrive when we do so lucy's got to be the next book i'm yes thinking. as soon as he slaps the cuffs on her That's he it. says that comment about lucy and you know one two three here we go now they are off to the colony right. they've been beamed up immediately yes olivia turns to her and says it's your turn for your npu what does that even mean? What's NPU? I think NPU is the author is assuming you know from other books, or maybe if you just read a lot of sci-fi. I think NPU is 
abbreviation for neural processing unit because they get this oh that's shot, right this implant at the temple and then the kids get it behind the ear and it translates the words so now they can understand oh, anybody okay. at any time who speaks to them yeah and lucy's just like literally she says oh great and she bounced over to you know get this thing implanted Lucy doesn't care at all that she suddenly right. survived all of this mayhem and she's on this other planet. And she even makes a comment later on about like, maybe I'll get my own hot growly mate or something to that effect. <laughs> it's all, it all wraps up very conveniently and quickly. I I'm ready to talk about and rate this book. Let's so over this book. Uh, it's so many levels. I don't know about you. I was completely over this book by this time. I was over this book much earlier, yes. honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for me, this book, again, was just a commentary on the sad state of our society at this point and what we value as people. There, I wish this book had been better because there were parts of it I that I thought were super hot. And I super, I really loved Wolf's character, but... The fact that we are not dummies and we don't need to be told 30 times that Olivia has a body image issue and the fact that the book, all of a sudden Jimmy's the son of a senator. I was like, oh, this is so ridiculous. I really liked Wolf. I did not like Olivia. I found her constant need to talk about her body and how she wasn't good enough, tiring. Are we doing the panty rating system or no? Yes, absolutely. So for me, for Wolf, I would give this guy probably four very wet panties for my rating. But because of Olivia, I would probably give it two. So I would say three panties, but one pair is crotchless. So it's actually <laughs> two and a half. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and I think it's probably a good intro for people that want an alien sci-fi romance, but they don't want the guy to be alien looking. Right. So what about our next book? Do you want to announce what the next book is? Uh, the, the next book is called Dirty Guy, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh God, don't call me out to do anything. Go ahead. I'm going to leave that in. Oh no. my God. <laughs> Oh, it's okay. I, I bet he is a dirty guy, yeah, but that's well, not the name I, of the book. That's just how my mind works. <laughs> oh, bad guy. Bad guy. Yeah, bad guy by Ruby Dixon. Oh, so, no, my God. I love Ruby Dixon. Love her Ice Planet books, her Ice Home books. Her ability to develop a character in a series of books that there's like, what, 22, 23 books Every character has a unique and interesting and funny as hell personality. And apparently she has multiple pen names and I would love to know what they are because I would probably read all of her stuff. And I don't know. I have no idea how this woman is so prolific. Interesting. I didn't know that she had more than one pen name. I do love her also. You've read a lot more of her stuff than I have. And in fact, the book that we just were talking about, The Bachelor Beast, was so horrible that in between that book and bad guy book that we're going to read. I had to read another ice home Ruby Dixon book to cleanse my palate called Gail's family, which was fabulous, but go ahead. I like that. I 
really feel like the Ice Planet Barbarians books are like book snacks and they're a great way to flush something from your brain. So I have definitely read books from that series, just like you're saying you read. When you read something that's not that great and you weren't into it, yeah. you just need something you know is going to knock it out of the park. Right. And that is a great series to use as a go-to. Yes. Okay, so if you want to follow us on Instagram, the Instagram is at Bonded Books Podcast. Or if you have any questions, comments, or a book that you would like to suggest for us to feature, you can email us at bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.